0: Gamescast, cast also known as SDGC. as always i am one of your hosts john aka at mr negative on twitter and we got a smaller cast tonight but we've got two very cool guests i want to tell you guys about uh first uh the members of the regular crew zach up in the corner dude what's up my man thank you for joining us
1: hey hi everybody
0: and uh brandon are you down to dinner yet oh, i'm here there he is okay awesome and uh i'm glad you guys are here and... i
2: finished at the perfect time
0: excellent dude now your timing is all your timing is always on point i've and... got it
2: down now it's been what three years
0: Not bad. Yeah, close to it. I can't believe we've been doing this shit for three years now almost. Um, uh, Down in the left-hand corner we have, uh, who might as well be uh, an an official member of the podcast at this point because he's on here every month to talk about NPD stuff. Matt Piscitella from NPD Group. Uh, I'm always pleased to see you on, Matt. Always pleased to see you well
3: oh man i'm always pleased to see you too you always (laughs) have such a soothing voice and a nice stocking cap even in august
0: i so so you you know what you know what my son my 10 year old son upstairs i was coming downstairs uh, he's with us for two weeks uh for the summer and he says daddy why are you why are you putting a beanie on it's it's so hot and i was like because it's expected of me now wait till you turn 30 i've it's i've been doing i've been wearing this stupid beanie on the podcast for three years now and people people get freaked out if i'm not wearing it so i just wear it it's just it's just Mm -hmm. it's just something i go with it's Um, iconic it, it you know what yeah it is iconic man it is absolutely iconic and uh Matt's gonna talk about the MPD stuff, and we also have an incredibly cool guest with us, uh, Kevin Van Word, formerly of Gamespot, and now, uh, Kevin, what are you doing now? You know, I don't want to steal your thunder. What do you What are you up to?
4: Yo, know, I uh, I uh, work for Larian Studios, writing and designing for them. So I was one of the writers on Divinity: Original Sin two.
0: That's awesome, dude. That's awesome, man. Like that's yeah. and and uh, I just want to point out to 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 anybody listening or watching, uh, it is actually what three AM right now where you are, Kevin.
4: It is 3 a.m. and this better be
1: cool. Oh, it will,
2: won't I'm be. Really
0: tired. I, I I'm so tired. Ty-
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Kevin, I'm <laughs> so sorry. I
0: guarantee you it's not going to be worth the it's not going to be worth the trouble. I, I promise you that Matt, mm. Matt would probably oh, I feel disagree. very bad. Matt would disagree so, but that's because Matt loves us and Matt wants So
2: Reset Era has like yeah, a top top it. 101 essential RPGs list going up right now and Divinity Original Sin got number 41. Uh, original Sin Two, rather. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just the first 41. one. The first one was like ninety. Hey, 41's pretty good for a game like this. Forty-one, huh. Not bad. Not, be- not bad. I'll take it. So. last <laughs> so year.
0: Kevin, I gotta ask, man, and Zach is gonna yeah? get mad at me, but w- w- when's the Switch port, man? <laughs> Fuck off. When's the Switch port, man? I gotta have. I, I love the first. I-, I I love the first one, and I gotta have this on Switch, man. I wanna take it wherever I go.
4: Yes, on, on on a podcast before any announcements would be made, that's the kind of thing I would tell you. Um,
1: so so the better thing is uh, it's coming to to Xbox one and uh, PS4 at the end of the month.
4: It is at the end of the month It will okay be on, uh, So th- Xbox one and PS4 and P- it's the definitive edition. so people that own the PC version already will will just get the upgrade for free and that includes pre-order bonus and and all the shit like that. So awesome. So, so that's the
1: appropriate I, question, John. That's the appropriate it, it question. Yes. Joke.
0: Awesome. It was a joke. Uh-huh. 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 You know, my, uh-huh. my, switch, my port begging knows no bounds. Yeah. You know this. Well, you anyway. do ask me about
4: Linux because then I'll just have to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's again,
1: we, we appreciate can. we appreciate your time, man.
4: We really. No, are, of course. Seriously. seriously. Of course. Um, it's, it's a little dark. I'm sorry it's so dark. No. No. The sun no. Goes
0: don't down am going sweat it. Don't even, no, one day I just noticed that Kevin was following me on Twitter and I was like, I'm going to get this man on my podcast yeah as simple hey, it be pretty
1: and awesome you, so i figured uh, you've tricked him john
0: I, I just want to point out kevin says i seem to be pretty awesome so you all i think it. so it's here it's out there it's in pub, it's out in public now uh-huh. so it's it, this it flies in the face of everything that everybody else thinks about me so i'm just mm-hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. want to stress that um okay so before we go any further um real quick uh just a, a quick uh, administrative note we are looking for a new member of the podcast uh, and we're going to have some guests on over the next few weeks, kind of testing a few people out and, um, uh, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we can make a decision here in the future soon. Uh, because as you can see, we're, we've been running on a skeleton crew for the past few weeks. Uh, and we need, uh, we need some fresh blood in here. So, um, yeah, uh, look up, look up Because, here.
1: because your blood is so old, John.
0: It is. You know what? 38 is not that fucking old, man. Okay. It's, just, it's I mean, old. It's not that fucking, Yeah. And, and and by the way, yeah, come on, you're offending <laughs> our guest, man. I, and, and, I mean, Ke- come
3: on, man. Ke- mm-hmm. I mean,
0: you're offending Matt. You're offending, Although I will point. out. Oh, that, no. Kevin, oh no. Kevin. Compared to everybody else, Zach is a Zach is just a baby. He's a he's a youngling. It's so
2: I I enjoy feeling young on this podcast.
0: And you're in your thirties and you feel young.
2: I'm thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Oh God, mm-hmm.
0: Christ, I'm getting old. Anyway, we'll go I remember ahead. my thirties. Yeah. Those were the good days. In the, thir-
4: in the in my 30s, those were the good days. Um, those, are, those days are don't gone. Don't
0: tell me that, Kevin. Come on, you're depressing me already. Right?
4: <laughs> All right, we'll That's go- what you invited me on for. <laughs> <I> know, <right.
0: laughs> Jesus, we get enough depression in this podcast every week as it is.
1: John, bring us into our topics, man.
0: All right, so uh, uh, as always, Matt Piscitelli is here to tell us about how poorly, how disastrous the gaming industry is doing. Uh, so Matt, why don't you kick it off, man?
3: Yeah, everybody's doomed. Uh, everything is terrible, and uh, oh my god, this guy is falling. Um, actually, uh, it's it's everything is selling way better than it should be. Uh, particularly hardware, accessories, and game cards, which, thanks to Fortnite, are are pretty phenomenal right now. So uh, you're talking, you know, gains of twenty five percent in spending for the month of June. You're talking seventeen percent ahead of last year, uh, for the year. Uh, and it's all being driven by hardware and accessories, like software's flat. So we're just having this massive push of, of hardware and accessories, and, you know, to a good extent, that's Fortnite. And this month was even more weird, because the best-selling console was the that's NES so Classic. oh cool. no. yeah. The, little, the love, little box that could.
0: I love how upset people are over there, too.
3: Like, people oh, man, it was so glorious. Things. I'm yeah. like... I threw, like, hey, the NES Classic, like the number one selling box. And then you had, like, the core gamer guy. Uh, no, it's not. The PS4 is. How could you say that? Uh. I'm like, come on, man. Just lighten up. It's 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 fun. I saw people uh, yeah. saying that that's not really a console. I'm
0: like, is it a box that plays video games? Then, uh, yes, it's a it's, console. It's
3: a like, good time.
4: Can you just yes. do the voice again? Because that's what I yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, voice, no, no, so. I Yeah, to hear I got
0: to hear Matt's bro voice again. <laughs> Uh, I'm a core gamer. Why are you so dumb? <laughs>
3: like, Very good. the most important thing ever. PS4 better than X1. Uh. Uh, so, so,
0: always talking
3: that voice from now on. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my brain. I read Twitter and that's just what's in my brain when I'm reading the wow. comments. Wow. But it was a great month. I mean, it continues to be a great year. Uh, I don't know. You look everywhere and you see really cool stuff like Mario Tennis Aces. The best-selling launch for a tennis game ever. We don't even track digital on Nintendo. The number one-selling game is Mario Tennis Aces. Uh, what is what is going on in the world? God of War is setting a an unbelievable calling. sales pace. Yeah, it's it's almost beyond outlier at this point to kind of just ridiculous uh, how well that game is selling and continues to sell. And then you have games like Grand Theft Auto V, which uh, has been on the top 20 list all but one month of its existence since it launched in September of 13.
0: That's
3: fucking insane, dude. Uh Yeah, so, I mean, everywhere you look, things are are pretty darn good from a sales perspective, and, hey, that's cool. So, since you're on every month, I feel like I can ask you this. Um, Could you
1: make a prediction? Do you think that we will still see... Um, and and I've, said, I've seen you say it on Twitter, um, you know, Red Dead and, and, and Call of Duty will dominate sales uh, uh, for the year. Do you think that we'll see free-to-play games like Fortnite hurt fall games this year? Or do you think it won't be a big difference?
3: Well, I mean, Fortnite sure hasn't hurt God of War. I think the overall sure. slate this year has been a little bit uh, light. So we actually have uh, PS4, X1, both have uh, far fewer games in the first half this year than they had a year ago. Yeah luckily god of war and and gta has incredible legs and then you have a game like far cry which has done very well uh but we need more games really so i think it's more of a like software is flat but i think it's more because we have just fewer releases this year than we had a year ago um i don't know if fortnite's taken anything away in fact uh from the data the data suggests to me that fortnite's bringing in new players to the space that uh you know, we're playing mobile, or just weren't playing games before, because we're seeing a huge uptick in hardware, and a huge uptick, particularly in headsets. Like we're seeing double the sales this year of a year ago, and things like game cards are up significantly. So it just, all the data suggests that we have a whole bunch of new people showing up uh, because of Fortnite. And then, you know, eventually they'll they'll try some other games too. But right now, I think Fortnite's kind of driving it. Wow! All right.
0: But but but, but Matt. What is the year-over-year growth or, or decrease in sales for uh, Just Dance on the Wii? Oh, man.
3: Uh, I just pulled that up. Um, the Wii's number one game or the – it was Just Dance 17, <laughs> which I was – was number one on the Wii last month, and I'm like, you wow, man. Up on that I forgot. Oh my God.
0: Yeah, I like forgot about that. It's like the Grand Theft Auto franchises, man. Yeah, really. That's fucking insane. Yeah, but
3: you have – yeah, and
0: After you have, the bonds
2: uh, go off. There will be cockroaches and just dance games, it,
0: it's, <laughs> it's just going to be copies of just dance and 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 single celled organisms, man. That's yeah, going. and you
3: have so everything's everything's going pretty darn well. PS4 X1 up huge year on year, like it's like significantly up year on year, and then you have the switch, which is on a great pace. Um, although it's fallen a little bit behind last year's pace, it's still on a good run, and, and it really hasn't had. Like a, uh, the Pokemons or the Smashes come out yet. So,
1: Are, you, do you, are you sticking... Do you, do you think that they'll hit that 20
3: million number that they said?
0: That was going to be my question, yeah.
3: So, I mean, I've taken my number for the year in the US down to about 5.9. I had it at 6.2. You run that extrapolation out for a worldwide basis, and that's Ballpark 1920, so yeah, I think they'll get there. Um, and the 20 is a ship target, so yeah, I think I think they'll figure out a way to get there, but who knows? Like, uh, okay. Pokemon and Smash, uh, the expectations are high, but you never know uh, when one might overperform or, or slightly underperform, and then everything goes to heck. But, you know, those games are launching so late in this year, we're not going to know for another, what, three, four months. Yeah. Right. Right. Right.
0: I just want to give a quick, um, so, quick, quick shout out to our boy, buddy uh and congratulations to Anthony John Agnello in chat, a good friend of the podcast who uh, is now working for the AV club. So Anthony, congratulations, oh, man. Oh, word. Yeah, that's awesome, dude.
1: Um so so as we talk about uh, the the NES classic doing work, uh should we talk about uh that emulation site being set down, uh, shut down and, and kind of
0: you know, emulation's
1: what? role is in the industry.
0: You know what? I would actually love to get Kevin's uh, take on this as well because Kevin actually works for yeah. a developer, um, and uh, so uh, you know, it, it, Zach, go 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 ahead, go ahead, and go, I want you to lead the discussion. But I'm just, I just want to make the point that I, w- I would like Kevin to, to cut on this as well because that's yeah, crazy. no, no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, a, the the pop popular... up now. <laughs> It's I mean, like, turn,
4: God damn
1: it. Shut the fuck so I, I will throw it to you really quick. I, I mean, the big thing is that, like, uh, the argument is that emulation uh, is is a necessary thing um, in, in 2018 because a lot of the companies who made these games uh, simply aren't providing them in a space where they're accessible to users anymore. Uh, and it's the only place you can play. them. Um, obviously, there are examples like the NES Classic that are, are filling that gap. But um, for other platforms and other games, uh, some see it as an essential part of the industry thoughts keeping it vague uh,
0: yes yeah
1: yes
4: <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah i, mean, I mean, not... that's
1: it. yeah
4: um i mean i mean certainly i mean obviously i'm i i don't want people to go out there and start uh and start pirating new games downloading or anything realms, yeah. uh but uh, on the other hand you know with the, there are very few choices if you want to play legacy games um and even if you even if you have something like the virtual console and and these these little teeny consoles that come out whether it's from whether it's the nes classic or whether it's some atari joystick with games built into it or whatever you can't sit around and wait for those things to come out and hope that the thing that you want to play is on it or even hope that the thing exists in the first place um you know my, most of these developers are never gonna would never see a single cent um as it is even if it were some kind of legitimate sale if you were to come you know walk into GameStop and see some some game that you never thought you'd be able to see there that developer is probably not going to see a scent of that you know that 10 year old game yeah or whatever so you know i, I you know I don't, I don't have anything really more interesting than that to share because i don't think that you're going to talk to many developers who feel much differently from most of the people on the street when at least when it comes to old games that simply can't be played in in, in a legitimate way well, anymore and,
0: and that's the thing kevin like it's it's sad for me um a, most, a lot of my favorite games are back from the super nintendo like I'm a, I'm a child of the super nintendo era and one of my favorite rpgs this is just one example one of my favorite games from that system not just rpgs uh, but games in general is secret of evermore i love secret of evermore i love everything about that game um there's no other way for me to play it uh short of going to find a super nintendo and then find I, i've got to buy a cr tele, a crt television which i mean i
2: i right have anymore. a working super nintendo and that cartridge and that's not the way i would play it if i felt like playing it right now yeah like i now, would just i would download the wrong, i have the cartridge but i would download an emulator because it's more convenient
0: but now i just hate you for having the cartridge and i don't huh. so, i have, I have a lot know. of good super <laughs>
2: nintendo <laughs> cards actually
0: you do actually um but so like i'm kind of in the same boat as kevin like i don't i'm not going to sit out i'm not going to sit there and say go pirate a shitload of games but at the same time there needs to there needs to be some kind of form of conservation um because a lot of these games like there are so many great games out there that i would love my son to play um he wasn't around when they were here games that because he loves video games he's starting to really grow into them and i would love to show him where all of it came from where all of it started but short of the few games on on virtual console and the 3ds and the super nintendo classic i i can't um i've got to download an emulator and then i've got to download the roms to show them this stuff um and and kevin makes a good point you know like it's you know nobody here's advocating for piracy but at the same time like you know the developers of dragon force for example for you know the sega saturn they're not they're not they don't they're not going to see any money from from, i mean if
2: if you've done everything you can to try to get the game through like the most legal means possible then and you can't then like what are you gonna do it, you can you can, it you can be that guy who just says like oh I'm the most moral person in the world and I'm not even gonna play this pirate this game I can't
1: buy legally but it, it kind of reminds me of um, back a year ago when Microsoft uh, was advocating or not advocating but they announced they're gonna bring original Xbox titles to, to Xbox one. Mm-hmm. One of the things they said is it's going to be a smaller library because a lot of the contracts and paperwork around these titles, like, straight up doesn't exist anymore because it was before things were digital, uh, digitized. And so, like, actual physical paperwork was lost 20 years ago. Um, and it, it's the same thing that, that Kevin was saying. Where there's no paper trail to get money to the people who made it. Yeah. Um, and is, is the answer to let it get lost to Ether because you don't want someone to get a free download.
4: Um, people don't even know who owns what. Half the time, right. yeah, all these which questions. is right. which Half is of, always yeah, crazy to me, yeah. Um, and and then and then you've got another issue to me, which is so so. Number one, of course, we all know basically the companies have been piss poor about uh, about uh, having any kind of legacy system for their for their old games. You know, they haven't they haven't uh, retained that stuff. We can't we can't trust them to basically bring them back to us in in any reasonable fashion. And when they do, um, then then you really end up getting a lot of a lot of stuff like what Square does, which is just like really ha- half-assed ports that come out. Oh,
2: God. Yeah, uh, crappy Chrono it. Trigger for twenty bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
4: and or you know, and I I remember when that first came out on mobile, how excited I was for the idea of playing Chrono Trigger on a phone. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, we got Chrono Trigger now. Um, and and that was just a disaster. The sprites um, were hideous. Oh, the get sprites I, were hideous. Yeah, you had a whole download thing where you downloaded the game from the store and then you started it up, but you still had to be connected to the to the internet to be able to download the rest and to actually play the game. Like what's this always on
0: shit
4: yeah, chrono I, trigger on a phone? I, mean, <laughs> I, I saw somebody on Twitter
2: <laughs> yesterday I saw somebody on Twitter say that at the peak of the Nintendo virtual console, they only had ten percent of the Super Nintendo's full library. So at, this, at its peak. And most of those games aren't available to download anymore at all. So like that's just at the peak it was ten percent.
4: So and, and then the the really old stuff, I mean like I mean I'm old. Yeah. All right, yeah, like, you're you're all started. complaining before about being old, but I'm <laughs> legit old, and and so everybody's like talking. Oh, I remember when I was in the street cave, the arcades playing Street Fighter, and I'm like, dude, I was in arcades. So with, in. With, I was pre-arcade. All right, so you know, like I would go to the department. The only place I could go was a department store that had Space Invaders before arcades even opened, nice. and but there, there's a whole stretch of games. Um, that I absolutely love and and the, the a lot of these are are interesting because then they use things like like legacy hardware that we don 't really use like trackballs and things like that, um, which makes it even harder to come by playing a lot of us have like like there 's this game called Crystal Castles where you play as Bentley the bear and Cole- like it 's one of my favorite games from that exactly. era yeah, um, awesome. but it, you can 't play that game with a joystick. You can't play centipede or millipede in in any kind of way with a yeah. joystick, but uh, so so you've got like a whole combination of factors here um, that that just really make playing old games a chore. But I I will like I I don't think it's really a big deal if somebody has like a copy of Mame and downloads you know all those '80s arcade games. I I I, I and seeing stuff like seeing sh- sites shut down entirely. Um, really, really sucks because it's, that's it's really bitter. the only way you get to play those anymore. Well,
0: it's bittersweet, right, Kevin? You know, like I mean, you know, I, I mean, I I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've never downloaded a ROM. I have. Um, they, the, I mean, in fact, that's what I did before I deployed to uh, Afghanistan. In oh yeah. And, oh know, yeah. I had yeah. a laptop with. A that's exactly what and... I did. I was playing Super Mario RPG on my laptop in Afghanistan. That, that that's how that's how I was able to play. That's the only way I could play that game. Yeah. Um, and I want to kick it over to I want to kick it over to Matt real quick uh, because I'm curious, Matt. So uh, you know, while we're on the subject of old games and and you know the beans to play them, <laughs> um, of course Nintendo is launching their online service next month. Um, we don't really know when, um, or, or I, I, we might actually I think we might know the date, but we don't know many of the details. Um, I, they there's going to be some classic games available with uh, on you know some form of limited online play, but you know. The virtual console was extremely popular, and there were a lot of games on there that were just uh, very strange omissions to me, um, both on the Wii U and on the 3DS. And since it doesn't look like this is going to be the virtual console as we know it, Matt, I'm curious, as somebody who sees this stuff on a, on a, on a very regular basis, um, do you think Nintendo is aware, is acutely aware of the demand for older games? I mean, I mean they have to be with the sales of all these mini consoles, and... Why are they not? It, it seems like a no-brainer to me. It seems like a it seems like a gold mine that they absolutely refuse to tap.
3: Wow. Um, so yeah the the NES Classic and SNES Classic were obviously just nice little pet projects that they thought would go out and and sell a few units and be fine. It turned out the demand was much hotter than they imagined. Uh, since then, uh, in June when they relaunched. The NES Classic to pretty significant volume. I think they're starting to understand that, but I still don't think they fully understand uh, the way that, say, the, the audience might about how beloved some of those games are. I mean, I a publisher, right? So I was at publishing for twelve years. I tried to chase down the No One Lives Forever contract for three years <laughs> when I was at Warner. Talk about just a endless maze of who might own this right who might own that right and no one being able to find the paper and just just trying and trying and, and not being able to get very far over and over again with a number of ip from like the suffering ties that bind all the way back uh, to the midway catalog it's very difficult right so but with no the one lives forever
2: isn't even that old it's only like 15 years old
3: but, it cha- but the IP changed hands so many times oh, yeah, and there uh, were so many fingers in the pie that it's still impossible to unravel who the heck actually owns that thing. I don't think anyone really knows if they do or don't. Um, so I think Nintendo's figuring it out. I think everyone's going to figure it out. Uh, but you have some companies that have figured it out already. So like a rock star knows that, you know, GTA 3 will still people will still want to play yeah. it. And they still make that oh, available. Hell yeah. A lot of other companies, you know, um, putting out these older games or working on an older port or bringing some of these older games to market takes resources. And when they have a new game coming up, that's going to be 90% of their volume versus a, you know, a nice older game port project that might contribute 5%. They're going to put resources towards that, that newer game. And so, and hopefully that changes over time, but it's just part of the mess of trying to get attention on on conserving these older games because from the publisher perspective they're trying to make the number and while a lot of people love these games and they do sell you're selling a bunch of five dollar games instead of a bunch of sixty dollar games yeah, plus dlc point. and mtx the math makes it very difficult sure
0: i just want chrono trigger and final fantasy 6 on my switch i mean that's really what this all boils <laughs> down to for me like that's just that's just that's 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 my end state is to get those two games on switch and after that I'm, I'm probably okay, unless unless Nintendo wants to pony up for a Dragon Force port, and in that case, like, holy, holy shit, if nobody's ever played... Anthony and Chad knows what I'm talking about.
1: I mean, about. The, the obvious frustrating thing with this is that um I'm happy to pay money for a game that I want to play that's not available. Uh, but the problem is that there isn't a way to do it, right? Like Obviously, obviously we're not talking about pirating a, a game that came out last year, right? Like That's totally different. Um, but it's just frustrating to me that that like, I can't just pay someone who hard on a game 10 years ago for uh, the chance to play it now. Well, look at the... I mean,
0: I mean Zach, here's a great example, right? Like, uh, Sony's PS1 Classics. Everybody everybody knows about Sony's PS1 Classics. I would argue... <clears throat> excuse me. That uh, that era, I think it was the sixth generation of consoles, you know, the PlayStation 1, had some of the best games, I, some of my favorite games of all time. I mean, that was Symphony of the Night, Final Fantasy VII, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Parasite Eve. Um, all of the... Uh, there is not a single ps1 classic that is playable on ps4 right now not a single one if you want to play them <laughs> you either have to pull out your ps3 and plug that back in or hopefully you've got a, a, a vita you can download it your Vita. but there is no way there is in 2018 there is no way to play any of the games from sony's incredibly expansive classic library on the highest selling console in the entire world and that just makes absolutely no fucking sense to me whatsoever whatsoever and this is what this is what i talk about when i mean you know these these games are eventually going to be going to be lost to time my ps3 doesn't work anymore somebody stole my vita so i have no way to play ps4 class or ps1 classics period um and i don't understand why more why more consoles or more publishers more developers i don't understand why this isn't a bigger deal for people um, because there are people like me. I mean, look look at what happened last month in the MPDS. I mean, the NES was the highest selling console. The NES, the highest selling console. I mean, the the, it, the way I see it, I mean, the demand is there. I just don't, I, I don't understand why nobody's taking advantage of this. I think the virtual and, console on Switch would fucking kill. And okay,
1: so uh, obviously it doesn't have to do a lot with demand, but Matt, wasn't it one or two months ago that an old Sonic game somehow made it on the chart? Uh, uh, somebody bought a single old copy. I remember that.
3: Yeah, so when Toys R Us liquidated, we were seeing all kinds of crazy stuff come through the feed. Uh, that's kind of, that's that's leveled out now that TRU is pretty much done. But apparently, there was a bunch of old games that have been sitting back at TRU for about 20 years. And they brought them all out and sold a bunch. Now we're seeing like hundreds of copies of N64 games selling in a month where usually we see two or three. That's incredible. So uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of wild to watch really the, cool. the Toys R Us. It's sure. very sad to watch the Toys R Us liquidation. And yeah. Happen, yeah, it but interesting from a man that that was actually hiding under a shelf for 20 years, wasn't yeah, it? People sitting there
0: and yeah, that's yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's obviously really a shame that Toys R Us went under, not just because of the nostalgia factor, but just because, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and nobody ever likes to see that. But seeing what's been stuck under those shelves for the past 30 years is still pretty incredible in a way. Um, sure. I want to uh, I want to real quick. I, I've got a question for Kevin, actually. Um, kind of segwaying away from the, uh, the NPD stuff. Uh, thank you, Matt, by the way, as always. Matt, uh, man, it's always very much appreciated when you come in here to talk about sales. Um, I, I want to kind of talk a little bit about uh, Dead Cells. Um, uh, Dead Cells, of course, launched, uh, you know, the full game launched this week on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, and I've played quite a bit of it. Um, I, in fact, that's all I've played since it released. I'm fucking in love with this game. I absolutely love this game, Brandon. You've played. Uh, you're you're a big fan too, uh, if if, uh, if I remember correctly, Brandon. Of which game? Uh, Dead Cells,
2: big time. Yeah, Dead Cells is fucking it is, great. It is it is good stuff. Kevin, have
0: you played I, Dead like? Cells it, it gives
2: me like a Rogue Legacy one more. Yes, it one does. More absolutely. Kind of I,
0: I was up till three a.m. the other night playing Dead Cells. Um, it's
2: just like I mean, like when you die, you're back in it in what 10, 15 seconds, if
0: that. If that. Uh, I want to ask it's Kevin. Perfect. Kevin, have you played Dead Cells yet? Nope,
2: oh, Kevin, we can't hear you. uh Oh,
0: can you hear me now? There you are. Yes. Right, there you are. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I, I lost,
4: I lost track of whether my mic was was muted or not. Don't sweat it, man. Okay. So uh, I, it, it, I don't like uh, clearing my throat and uh, grossing everybody out. So. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, it was on my game of the year list last year. Uh Giant oh, okay. Bomb asked me to write a list, and it was uh, so it, last year. It was on my list, and and I, I haven't played it now that it's it's at 1.0 yet. Um, but I was playing a, a bunch of it last year, of course, and, and I'm not even really a roguelike person. Um, but the reason this really stuck with me, I mean, I mean, everybody talks about Spelunky, for example, it's like uh, Spelunky feels weird to me. I just don't like Spelunky. It was okay, I know that's yeah. awful to
2: say, I don't uh, it
4: either. <laughs> but Dead Cells feels good. Like the gameplay itself, like the moment to moment gameplay is so good in a way that so many, uh, roguelikes are not. Um, plus it's beautiful
2: it doesn't okay, so. waste it doesn't waste a second of your time at any point like, it looks so, no you're in, you're in there you're moving you're killing things you die you're back to killing things it, it's like yeah. somebody
0: took symphony of the night and smashed it into diablo to be that that's what it feels like to me due to the you know like you know all the loot even, the, even
2: and, the exploration the pace of the exploration like they have, yeah. you have those timed gates like oh it's so good they, yeah they want you to be flying yeah. through those levels
0: And, uh, and you know, what's interesting, Kevin, is that, um, we were talking about this in our podcast DMs last night, but Brandon picked up the game and he says, man, I'm so overpowered. I feel like a God right now. And I was like, yeah, and I'm trash
2: at the game. Like I'd played it for an hour. Like, you know, I don't barely even good at the controls yet, but you just feel powerful.
0: And then, but, but then, then I was like, wait till you get to the bridge boss. And then I died at the bridge. Yeah. Brandon's like, okay, well, (laughs) and, uh, and so so that, that game sunders the pride very quickly, but it's, and the only reason
2: I got that far is because I got a lucky yellow bow drop from a chest.
0: Oh my, I, I just, I, I love the, you know, Kevin you hit the nail on the head. Like I, I love the, I love the empowerment that this game gives you. Um, it is very easy to quickly feel incredibly powerful in that game, but it's also incredibly easy to get very cocky. Um, and uh, I just, I, I, Symphony of the Night is one of my favorite games of all time. I love Symphony of the Night. I probably played through that game 20 fucking times. Um, and Dead Cells is the first, you know, Metroidvania style game, which is one of my favorite genres, the first Metroidvania style game in a very long time. To give me that feeling of, I, I you know, I am drawn in and fascinated by this world and I have to see what's next. I have to see what's around the next corner. And, it's funny,
2: too. Like, the dialogue. Like it is, yes. Interactions like, interactions the Yeah, it's fun. There's considering funny that you're
0: stuff. just a blob attached to a, a headless body, like, he's got a lot of personality. Yeah, which, yeah. Um and, uh, and, and hey, that's you know, hey, the writing in this game. When he tries I mean, to like, when he tries fantastic. to open
2: locked doors that he can't open and stuff, like the animation is good. He just
0: kind of gives that little shrug. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, I can't get yeah. it open. There's no idea. Or, there. or like
2: when you're just walking through the world and you find something that like he doesn't understand what to do with it. He just kind of shrugs. He just like he pokes around at it and then he shrugs. Like, yeah,
0: eh. I mean, that's what I do in real life when I'm. We'll, we'll get to no this answers. later, right? So, so let so so let me ask this. Um you know, we're talking about the writing in Dead Cells. Kevin, as somebody who, I mean, you write for a living. That's 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 your living, first with GameSpot and now at, working on actual video games. So, when you're playing a game like Dead Cells, um, obviously the game is, it's, I've played about maybe 20 hours of it and, you know, I don't really know what's going on. I don't really know what the story is. I'm just picking up these lore drops from things I find in the world. Um, but do you feel that, do you feel that Dead Cell, like a game like Dead Cells is something that, that, that benefits from an obtuse story or do you wish there was something more cohesive tying the whole experience together from a narrative standpoint?
4: No, it absolutely benefits. Uh, I mean, a lot of people will, will for, there was a Twitter thread going, going around not so long ago, which is like, okay, so game writers, if you had to tell people like tell people what five games they should play, um, what, what five games writers should play in particular to, to learn from, Uh, Dark Souls is always the first one on my list. Yeah. Um, And it it seems like a weird choice at first because it's not like uh, it gives you quests and lots of dialogue in in the way that you're used to from, say, a traditional RPG. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it tells a story in a a way that's very unique. Very unique, because I'm a writer. I say things like very unique. Uh, But it tells a story in a way that's unique to video games. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons I think there's a, there's a lot to learn from it. it there's a lot to learn from it in terms of how you can make lore interesting and how you can make lore part of the the the, the, the basis of the storytelling without it being boring or without it being background um, it's, it's also it also teaches you that um, the writers are not the only storytellers when you're developing your game I like artists that. are storytellers I like uh your your programmers are storytellers everybody is a storyteller when they're making your game um it's why you need to have artists in your story meetings and why you need to have writers in your art meetings and so on and so forth this is that that game is the perfect example of 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 great storytelling (laughs) in games to me and another reason i like it is because there are some games if you're like me at least there are some games that you play where you're not even i I hate to say it but halo is one of those games for me where it's like i don't really know what's going on in terms of the plot and whatever like i know a lot of people know and they know everything that's
0: i was gonna say i I can can already hear zach going well um, no it's fine but,
4: but but what i mean is like sometimes all you need is a sense um like like you just have it. You don't have to know what's going on to have a sense of the attitude, to have a sense of what the world is, and have a sense of sort of what what's pushing you through. And again, like Dark Souls is a great example of that, where you don't even necessarily have to know what's going on yeah. to feel like you're experiencing a great story in that moment. Um, so. Yeah, getting back to Dead Cells because that's what you were actually asking about.
0: No, no, please, no. We can't oh, uh, all the time. I, yeah, this is. Great. I think
4: Dead Cells is one of those types of games where it benefits from, like a, a, a sparseness of words, um, and that's perfectly fine for a game like that. You don't want to, you don't want to mess up the, the pacing. You don't want to keep people from feeling like they're moving forward. It's all about attitude. It's all about what you're seeing on the screen. It's all about how you're interacting. All of that is storytelling. You don't. You don't need to have some writer going in there and, and fucking around with things, putting words where they don't belong, um, or ambient dialogue that that doesn't actually add to the game. When you can do it with flags waving or or whatever you're using
0: in the visuals to
4: to communicate.
0: And 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 I, I tell you, That's... the the visuals in this game are just. Absolutely, like I, I, everything about this game, man. Like I just. Yeah, I, I mean the that.
2: animation is just really good. Fucking like phenomenal. on am yeah. the main character himself.
0: Z- yeah. Zach and Matt, you guys have not played Dead Souls yet, right?
1: No, nope, nope.
0: Okay. you get paid once a
1: month. You you end up putting games off for a little bit.
0: I will literally buy this game for
1: you. Please, no, don't buy me something. fine.
0: You must. I'll get to it.
1: I'll get to it. I'll get
0: to it. And Matt, there's no excuse for you, man. Like you got to play Dead Souls. I buy everything. I just I want to play it right now. Yeah, well, yeah, no, like, you know, like the, yeah, it's one of those games where if I'm not thinking it, like, if I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about it, and that rarely happens to me. You know, like I, 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 I kind
2: of I, feel I haven't felt that since Rogue Legacy. How how old is Rogue Legacy now? Like five six or six years. Five, five or five six years. years yeah. yeah, Like it's been a while since like just that. Like, hey, I I enjoy the core loop so much that I just want to play it right now.
0: And I and I, mm. I you know I, I'm with Kevin. Like I'm I'm not the biggest uh roguelike fan. It, it like I I loved Rogue Legacy. I was not. I was lukewarm on Spelunky, like the, like the, the gameplay and that just felt off to me. Um, and I felt like the game, you know, like there's, there's two different types of challenge, right? There's, there's, you know, there, there's challenge that is in earnest in my opinion, the word, you know, like, you know, the, you know, the game is tough, but fair. The game wants you, wants you to succeed. And then where I feel like the game is just stacked against you where like, you know, the deck is stacked against you. And I feel like Spelunky, uh, I feel like Spelunky does that. Um, but, um, and by the way, I love the, I love the Dark Souls reference, Kevin. That's one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, so anytime you, anytime you can work in a dark souls reference on this podcast, I will very much appreciate it. Um, but, uh, I wanted to ask Matt real quick, Matt, uh, before we move on to our other, uh, dead cells topic, Matt, uh, are there, do you have any sales projections for dead cells? Cause this is, there was a lot of hype behind this and a lot of people, there's a lot of word of mouth. Are there even
1: physical copies for it, John? What's that? Are there physical copies for, for, there for, will be, there uh,
0: will be in like a week. Yeah. Okay. okay. Although I imagine this is yeah, probably-, probably gonna be pretty top heavy digitally, right, Matt?
3: Yeah, it'd be very digital heavy, but uh, yeah. what we're seeing is more and more of these kinds of games come to the physical market, which is buoying the physical market in the big extent where retailers are actually benefiting a lot from these digital games going going physical. And it turns out that a lot of these smaller digital games are, are turning basically their uh, they go red to, red to black uh, with the physical release in twenty eighteen. So the whole like the whole market's kind of flipped where now a digital game going to retail is really beneficial for both the game and retail, but uh, we'll see how well it does. I mean, games like uh, uh, Rocket League and uh, Stardew yeah. Valley yeah. are doing actually really good numbers physically. It's, it's fun to see.
0: So, I, I've actually got a question for for Kevin uh, in regards to, to Dead Cells and, and kind of something that happened this week. And not to not to not to dive too deep into it, but of course, you know, um, the editor in chief for uh, IGN's Nintendo section um, dropped his Dead Cells review. Uh, earlier this week and a YouTuber by the name of Boom, Boomstick Gaming I think he I think he was Yeah, that's um, correct. Yeah, Boomstick Gaming. Um not uh, Broomstick Gaming. Yeah, 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 Boomstick Gaming. Um he uh he um, brought it to IG's attention. He, he noticed
2: some similarities if yeah, you will. Yes,
0: some similarities and uh so I was actually um I was about to start a concert uh when this happened but I happened to take a look at my phone and The similarities were incredibly stark, and, uh, you know, IGN jumped on it, and they did an investigation, found that uh, there was really no coincidence there. It's a pretty clear cut case of plagiarism, and they fired the author. I guess my question for Kevin is, um, I have heard, I've seen a lot of people on social media say, you know, well, this guy on YouTube should be paid, because... um, it, it was basically his review and ign has probably generated a lot of a lot of ad revenue and i thought that was an interesting question so like kevin i know you i know you don't work at a at a gaming p- uh, publication anymore but but w- what is your opinion on that do you do you think that this guy should do you think ign should pay this guy or or, or do you think any or, or any form of all <sighs> should be made for this guy like I, it's it's a it seems like a dicey subject right like that's there's no real because if you pay the guy then 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 wouldn't you have to by default put his review up on the website?
4: I don't know. <laughs> can you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah. Probably. We can hear you. We can hear you. We're all on
4: the same
1: spot. We're like,
0: maybe.
4: Yeah. I, yeah. Keep, I keep, I keep, I keep worrying that uh, I've, We're i have we good. No, 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 no dude, dude you're, you're I, good. I I don't know the answer to that. I feel like that's much more of a le- a question for lawyers and ethicists. Um, yeah. than it than it is for for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the answer. I, I mean, part of me says, okay, sh- sure. Maybe there should be some kind of restitution for that. I right. don't know if paying him based on any, any ad dollars, especially because that kind of thing is always, that's already a murky place anyway for, yeah. for an editorial person. I, you know, as somebody who was an editorial before, I don't really know what ads are are showing up on what and when somebody's buying ads, I, I don't think they're going to necessarily know that it's going. You know, how, how do you separate that stuff? How do you funnel into knowing, you know, the monetary value of what one single review was bringing? I don't think most sites can even really uh, parse information that way. Right. Um so I, I, I don't even know where you would begin to kind of answer a question like that.
2: So IGN's Schneider <sighs> did say that they uh, reached out to the guy for some sort of compensation, but there are no more details past that.
0: And we probably wouldn't. Yeah, I mean.
1: yeah, and you wouldn't expect them to say like, Hey, we paid this guy X amount of dollars.
0: Like you yeah, just yeah. you
1: wouldn't expect the like, communication. Like yeah, I mean and- I mean, IGN did everything right in this in this circumstance, right? I mean it's a hard thing to Doesn't do, know, catch somebody catch somebody uh who's plagiarizing from, from a video format. It's a lot harder than, than um, print. Um so I mean IGN did everything right. It's a really shitty situation uh, for obviously this guy who got his review stagged and also IGN who again, it's it's hard to catch people who, who are doing this. So I don't know. It's, it's a disappointing yeah. situation. I, well I, I mean it's something that I could talk
4: about for weeks.
0: Sure. Weeks. Because yeah. it's
4: just there's there's so much going on with it and so many like tangled up issues in something like this. Um, it, I think it's interesting too that it's that it's actually a member of the staff that it's an editor um, as opposed to a freelancer. It's the kind of thing that I I would maybe more expect from from a freelancer because honestly, as, as poorly as as game journalists are, are typically paid um freelancers are paid much much worse (laughs) um and there's there's certainly less of a vested interest of of putting in the time and effort when you're getting beans for it Um, right which isn't to say that that it's that that it somehow you know would be okay then but that's not really the that's not the point i'm making it's just more that you know i'm surprised that it was that it was an editor where there would typically be more you know systems in place in terms of peer review but, it, but as an editor I, I know there's no way i could i can read everything and watch everything before you you get a review crossing your desk yeah, like
2: the, the review so, that he touched on on youtube things. had like 10k views 10k subs
1: well in and, small and, and the, yeah i mean the, the bigger thing is that um if you're an editor in that position you you would ideally feel like you can trust your employees well enough to not to not do that, to know that they know your ethics and Absolutely. to know not to do that. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I think the, maybe something that's that's a, a smaller sense of the pie that we can tackle is one of the possible theories before IGN confirmed that they agreed that it was plagiarism was perhaps this is an awkward situation in which we have to acknowledge that a lot of game reviews are written with the same kind of language around uh, how we describe gameplay and how we describe feel uh, and narrative and atmosphere um, in our uh-huh. games in genre and, and like listen this is clearly an example of plagiarism so so that's that's not up for debate but um do you think this is still an opportunity kevin or anybody who wants to address it do you still think this is an opportunity for us to think a little bit harder um uh for people who like to write about games and, and, and write about them critically um how we could expand our vocabulary and not fall back on the the, the same old familiar terms that that seem to get the the message across?
4: yes um to the broader point um, that yes, it's a good opportunity for us to think about uh, what what we're getting from reviews and 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 the the uh, homogeneity. I guess it's really late, so I'm not sure the right words are coming out of my mouth. But I think homogeneity. <laughs> that homogeny- sounds right. Was, yeah, That what sounds right. Uh, homogeneity. I don't know. All these words start sounding the same after a while. Uh, I write for a living, so <laughs> I, it is it is a, ch- a chance to talk about that. But I do th- I. I I do think, though, that we've reached a stage, especially when we don't have, I mean, 10 years ago, you might have thought about, say, well, we have GameSpot and IGN, and we have like the, you know, the, like, we have the big sites, and then we have the more mid-tier sites, when you think about things like, okay, then you have 1UP and Joystick and, and GameSpy and things like that. There was a time when, when I think there was just generally more more of that, because there was just there were more mainstream places to go. Now things are splintered a lot more. Voices are a lot different. Yeah. Um, they're more unique. Uh, you know, there was there was a great article uh, in Variety about how Giant Bomb actually was one of the you know one of the key factors in making that happen in the industry in general. So I I, I think that that kind of homogeny <laughs> is uh, is less. <laughs> is a lot less pronounced now um because you can go to a place like waypoint and you're going to get a, a quite different review than you would if you go to yeah. ign and you're going to get a quite different review than if you go to to wherever you know to Eurogamer or wherever else um but uh you know i i still uh, still the the, hum- the hum- is still an, is still a problem um, mm-hmm. but i think a lot of that has more to do not so much with the way we write about games, but the way we think critically about them, or yeah. I should say the way we don't think critically about them. Yeah. And I, th- but I think that perhaps is a discussion for another podcast. Day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going to sure. say, That's I was going to say, Kevin, don't sure. even,
0: like, like, don't even get me started on review numbers. I hate numbers. I hate arbitrary scores assigned to games and I could, I could go down that road uh, and, and just keep going. Um, yeah. But, but what I, what I will say is that I think the other thing that bothered me about the situation was, and, and I stressed this on Twitter and I tweeted it out and I got a lot of, I got a lot of responses to it is that look, you know, a lot of people on social media and on podcasts said IGN plagiarized, you know, this guy's dead. So, it was, you know, IGN did not plagiarize anything. A single author for IGN did. Um, and I think there's a danger there when when people start lumping in, or start referencing entire publications as having committed plagiarism when really this is the action of one person. Um, because then you get like, you know, then you already saw it in the Gamergate circles, right? Like, you know, that, that shitty narrative starts getting spun up about, Oh, see, this is why we, this is why you need us. It's about ethics. This is, this is why we exist. And, um, which, which also makes me angry or the guy who did it because you know, yeah. it's, this is exactly what the fuck is, is going to happen. Um, but it, 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 you know, and I, I think that that's the other thing that, that, that needs to be talked about is, is that you know, when stuff like this happens, um, I've got a lot of friends in journal. I got a lot of friends in gaming journalism, um, and I've, I've made those friends. We've all made those friends over the course of doing this podcast over the past three years. And one thing that one thing that I know is that the vast, vast, vast majority of them are hardworking, honest, dedicated people who just want to talk about video games and just want to just want to play them. Just want to tell. Just want to tell you about them so when this happens and it doesn't happen very like when was the last time we heard about somebody plagiarizing uh on this
2: scale review? never
0: never like i like yep. really like i can't think of another instance where, where this has happened at least not on this scale um but it happens once and uh social media takes it and runs with it um and all of a sudden you know it's all about ethics and gaming journalism again um, this
4: will follow them ever all of those authors for for a long time yep. regardless of of whatever their role happened to be. Yeah. Um I mean I w- I was at GameSpot. I was a fledgling editor. I'd only been on the editorial team for a very small while. Um and then 2007 came and Gershman gate happened. Um and I hadn't even been a- when I when I was first hired at GameSpot, I wasn't even hired for editorial. Um, and then I transitioned into editorial and I was still fairly new to that team when suddenly Jeff just shows up at my desk and, and is giving his goodbye. And I'm just I, – I don't even really necessarily know what's going on, but GameSpot never did recover. It's 11 years um, and people don't forget and people throw it in your face. And, I mean, yeah. at the time I would – I was getting things like – so I would get hate mail years later from people – Suggesting that I had been purposely trying to push Jeff out to take his place, kind of thing. Oh, was that after the whole? That's
0: after the whole Kanan Lynch.
4: Yeah, Yeah, that was Kanan Lynch. uh, The the whole debacle um, focused around Kanan Lynch, and and of course, again, this was this was a decision made by uh, somebody in management, and uh, they just blindsided almost everybody of course it was a little bit more complicated than than just uh, some manager deciding to fire Jeff one day um but but that's basically what it came down to and then because we can't you know when when somebody's job is on the line it's not like the rest of us can talk about anything partially yeah. because we're not allowed to um and partially because we don't know da- we don't know shit you know we're in the same boat as everybody out there in the audience so it's kind of weird to to get a bunch of people uh spitting on you for years um when you have you you have nothing to say back because you don't know what happened yeah um we we, i mean we do now pretty much everybody knows (laughs) um i mean Gamespot. you know when when giant when cbs bought giant bomb and giant bomb all those guys came back to the (laughs) office i remember that
2: That close um
4: there was we we did a we did a whole video thing where uh john davison who was uh the uh editor-in-chief or whatever his his role was at the time basically just he and jeff went on and just like here's everything that happened um but e- even after that people people would use that as kind of like a gotcha it's like dude, we, we've covered this we've got we're, we're beyonds now you can you can go bother somebody else we've got this figured out now but it sucks because at GameSpot we you know we had a very rigorous peer review process where every review went you know went through copy first a copy editor and then through the entire review team and every score was was talked about obviously we couldn't all play the games and stuff like that but we could make sure the text matched the score as best we could and and uh when mistakes did happen we were you know Reviewers I mean, is talking about that too.
2: He right talked away. about how, like, the Twilight Princess review happened and all that. Yeah. um was that when he gave? Is
0: that when he gave, and, when uh, he gave it an eight point eight? An eight point eight. People were oh, well, it the eight point eight. People were. Jeff gave it the eight point eight.
4: Yeah. um And uh it was exactly the right score for Twilight Princess.
0: Yeah, it was. No, no, you got, I agree. But, uh, no, it's not the best Zelda game.
4: But then you know, I experiencing that stuff for the first time when I when I was starting to write high profile reviews eventually you get to the point where you just don't give a shit what people think. Um, And you, you have to not give a shit because as much as everybody talks about um, thinking that journalists are under the thumb of a publisher or developer or whatever, the only, the only person that a games journalist could ever potentially be afraid of is audience. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's because they are by far incredibly brutal. Um, I mean, when, when people talk about death threats, they're not, kidding they're not you know they're not exaggerating they're getting death threats so i never got a death threat from a publisher (laughs) or a developer um so i think that's partially why you do see some homogeneity in scores by the way is that people that, that sometimes there's just a fear of audience but i was at the point where like I just stopped giving a shit, and you know, I, re- I still get, I still get hate tweets from time to time about my Resident Evil 6 review. I gave Resident Evil 6 a 4.5. Oh, that's a
2: good score is, for that. Game.
3: That's <laughs> the
0: appropriate. I just want to point out that
2: the, good, especially at launch. Especially
0: the appropriate launch. score for Resident Evil 6 is is, is a 4.5. They 4. fixed 5. a lot of like, things with patches,
2: but yeah, that game at launch was mess. And anyway. I don't
4: even. I mean, I'm not even
2: doing that for a living. Yeah, <laughs> let alone that how that many time was is six years ago that, that game is six years old and
4: <laughs> and I just... still I still occasionally get a hate tweet there was this this uh, Brazilian dude um that when that review first came out that had the, that had this whole campaign where he would just create one Twitter account after another after another and like' this blogger dude who would basically just sick all his people on me hmm. um he probably spent more was... time
2: doing that than playing the
4: game itself. So it's funny because he was also doing the same thing to a lot of other people like Anita Sarkeesian and people like that. And Kotaku ended up doing a story on this dude whose entire life was actually built around making people miserable.
0: That's cool. so but, fucking uh, depressing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, How yeah. empty do you have to fucking <laughs> do, do that? It, like... it turns out
1: I – don't, I don't know if you guys knew this – it turns out this industry is full of a lot of toxic people.
0: I, it I don't know weird. if you guys knew. It. <laughs> it's so weird, right? Like, like I can't believe that. Like, who would have thought that video games would be full John. Of such- fucking yeah oh jesus christ john the
1: serious gamers have logged on and they're here to send death threats so
0: <laughs> well i mean I, I did notice that we have somebody in the chat named tim tebow's ass cheeks so, i banned did him did you ban him yeah I, I banned uh, him yeah <laughs> yeah i can't do that and by can't the way I, I just want to point out that anthony and chad said that the first death threat he got for a review was for duke nukem forever and i don't even know how to fucking react to that <laughs> like i
3: yeah <laughs> and, yeah
4: that's wrong Oh, There's geez. no such thing as a review that cannot get you a death threat.
0: So, so yeah, a, a great example is a, a a friend of mine and a friend of the podcast Susan Art. She she had some guy. Oh, she's great. She had yeah yeah yeah. She's she's a good friend of ours. Um, she uh, she had somebody dogging her on Twitter for two years because of a Forza review. I mean, it's it, you know, it, it, a Forza review she didn't even write. Um, she just happened to be the editor in chief of Games writer when it happened. Um, so you know, I mean, it's. So when people tell me, you know, again, I've, we know a lot of game journalists and reviewers and whenever I hear stories about people getting harassed, it doesn't surprise me one bit. It's disgusting and it's sad, but it, it's the fucking, unfortunately, it's just the norm now. Um, and, and that sucks. That fucking, but, and it's not, and, and this shit with, I, with, with Philip Mewson, is just going to make it worse. I, this, Kevin, I think this is going to follow IGN for a very long time. Um, I hope not. I, I hope, hope not. not. I mean, they they handled, they probably it
1: probably will. Yeah. I'm they sure. handled it so well. I mean, you're probably right. I, think, I hope not. Cause they did everything. But I'm, no,
0: they did everything right, I mean, but but you know you know the, the you know exactly who I'm. I'm not going to drop yep. names. Oh, you know course. Exactly of who I'm talking about. They're going to they're 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 going to those people for years over this. What I
1: what I will say, and and this is coming from a place of somebody who's safely uh, not very involved in the industry. Uh, uh, is that I would like to think that there are enough positive communities around the space in 2018 compared to at the start of gamer. Where there are enough places of resistance against that type of bullshit. Um, obviously, everybody's still vulnerable to death threats and and, and doxing and all that sort of toxic oh, yeah. shit. Um, I, I, maybe I'm just dreaming when I say it's um, hopefully a slightly uh, a, a less volatile place to be. Um, I
2: hope so.
0: Um, well, yeah, that's, that's I mean, why we don't tolerate anything on SDGC, man. We don't. That, that's why we don't tolerate any bullshit here yeah um, but uh do we have do we have a light do
1: we have a light topic to close yeah, with? Hopefully, so, so, so,
0: I, so i i actually Please. i actually want to talk to i i want to kind of pick kevin's brain on something um because it is i think you know we've had developers on here but i don't think we've ever had a, anybody who actually writes the script for for games andrea i think this is a first for us um and so i wanted to kind of uh ask kevin's opinion uh and 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 the group in general, um, you know, just of course, you guys know how this podcast works. Just just jump in. Um, but um, Kevin, I, I was I was wondering what made you want to make the transition from writing for writing about games to to just straight up writing games. Like like like, what was it that's that that made you think I, I want to take the next step and I want to create? I want to help create the things that, that that I have been writing about for so many years. Like like, what was the impetus for you?
4: Oh, God. I, I, I don't know if there, there was a Eureka moment or anything like that. It's it's more of uh, just sort of something that creeps into you over time. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people that that left games journalism and then go on to do things in games publishing and development, but usually those things tend to be marketing and PR and, and uh, roles like that. Um, there weren't a lot of people that I knew who had left and then – gone into into development in in the uh, in the creative way we usually think of game development. I mean, I would argue that uh, most people involved in, in bringing a game to life are, are, are all developers in one way or another. But but uh, yeah, I, I, there just came a point. I think part of it was seeing um, my former colleague, Greg Kasavin, sort of take some of the same path. Uh, when he left GameSpot, he went to uh, EA to work on Command & Conquer and Red Alert um and after some some in between time doing other things he landed he was part of super giant you know creating super giant games and now we get great games like bastion and transistor and pyre and things like that and and greg is one of my favorite people in the world and uh i think so so maybe that was part of it certainly seeing somebody who who made that transition successfully and then went on to make good things but when, when there came a time, and there were lots of reasons why I sort of wanted to both move on to something new after after you're in games journalism for close to 10 years. Sometimes you're ready for something new, right? And uh, I, I knew that I wanted to stay in games, and I knew that I still wanted it to be creative, and that I wanted to be making things that people could, for lack of a better word, consume. Um and uh so i just sort of made the transition my first my first job was at trying worlds after i left Gamespot, um working first on localization of a of a game you've probably never heard of called davillion no i've, um, I've never but, heard
0: of that
4: but then i joined but then i joined uh the the team creating atlas reactor um which is uh, a, a very and this isn't tooting my own horn this is me tooting the horn of the of the incredible team that made atlas reactor which is basically like if you if you took dota and XCOM and mashed them up and everybody should play it is what i'm saying (laughs) and and that was that was an incredible experience um and then from but from there um my contract expired and then i had to i had to work on getting a a a real job (laughs) as it were and uh, look, luckily, I, I had some opportunities, and eventually, I landed at Larian, and uh, took this big step to moving across the world and uh, and doing this, which is great.
1: What was the question? It's late.
0: No, 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 no. No, we just <laughs> wanted. I think I think we
1: just wanted to hear the trajectory, and, and we kind of and we kind of got it. Um, what yeah. is? I guess it's it. And did you know while you were at, while you were working at um, uh, GameSpot that that this was kind of the trajectory you wanted to take, or did it slowly evolve, or or, or and maybe you've kind of already touched on that? But uh... no,
4: it, it evolved. Um, it, like so, I mean, let's let's look at you know let's look at younger Kevin in say two thousand one or two thousand two, and there I am out on the internet just reading interview or just reading reviews uh, on GameSpot, thinking, wow, this is really rad. And uh, check out this, uh, you know, this Morrowin review and check out this Neverwinter Nights review and check out all these things that are really cool to me. And wouldn't it be neat if someday I could be somebody like that? But you never think in a million years that something like that is ever going to happen to me. Um, But then eventually it did happen. And so so you sort of have I mean, I'm I'm kind of lucky in that I've I've had a life of some separate dreams like, oh, I want to be a professional violinist. It's like, okay, you are now and it's like oh i want to be a professional games writer it's like okay you are now and so when you have like a dream happen it's not like in that moment i'm thinking oh god now i have to come up with another one there's just a period of time where like this happened to me and i love doing what i do and then it just kind of happens i mean i know a lot of people say well game journalists just get into that because they want to because they're not good enough to do the other you know to make them or because they want to use that as a Uh, transition that's not really the case and it certainly wasn't the case for me. It's like, this is what I want to be doing because I think writing about games is rad. Um, but eventually, you know, you're a human being and you start seeing what else is out there and you start wondering about other ways that you can contribute to this industry that you love. And, and so eventually that, that's kind of what I decided I wanted to do. And I, I knew more or less how I wanted to do that. It didn't necessarily have to be writing for games, but I did want to be designing and uh, so then I made it happen. So I've,
0: right. got, uh, so I've got two questions. The, my first question is real quick for Matt Piscitella. Matt, when are you getting into games writing, man? Like, like when are you gonna when are you gonna dive in, Matt? Come on.
3: As soon as I can write uh, games. So as soon as I can do a games article in PowerPoint with lots of pretty charts and graphs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm in there, um, baby.
0: He's actually he's actually just gonna go
1: right into uh, to VO work and just do his bro gamer voice. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, man. Come on! <laughs> mm-hmm. He's actually he's actually in Call of Duty. There, so forward to it.
0: I was gonna say yeah. I, was gonna, I was gonna make a classless joke about Telltale Games, but I'm not gonna do it. Um, you know, <sighs> slideshows slide, slide and stuff. So, um, uh, mean, but uh, I, I see. see I'm, not, I'm not gonna. I'm not. That's why I'm not gonna do it. Um, Meanie. But but I actually I actually I actually do have a a thoughtful question, believe it or not, for for Kevin. Um. Do you feel that your work at GameSpot um do you feel like that prepared you in a way to to write games because i, I imagine they're two very different things right like like right, playing a game and writing about it and talking about the mechanics of it and it's it's it, you know it's high points and it's low points it, you, do, do you feel that writing for a games publication um, it, are, or maybe here's a better way to frame the, frame the question: Do you take any of the influences that you that you kind of picked up at GameSpot, and and were you able to transfer those to, to writing a game, or are these two completely different beasts where one doesn't necessarily help you do the other?
4: Yes and no, uh, and that's the answer.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, the 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 skills uh, translate. Um, but not necessarily in the way that you might think. The, the writing itself, um, uh, outside of your grasp of actual language and whatnot, obviously, the, that's that's a skill that just carries over no matter what kind of sure. writing you're doing. Um, but in terms of in terms of the actual writing work, no, like the specific skills you learn from writing about the game don't necessarily translate into whether or not you're the dialogue you write for a game, for example, is going to be good. Um, However, the critical thinking that you, that you learn and hone um, over those years is a big part of it because you, because whether people will make fun of this, it's like, Oh, you're just review games. You don't know actually how to make them. But the fact is when you do think critically about games for a long time, you generally build up a, a fairly good idea of what makes something good and you're able to translate your knowledge of, of, of what's good into making something good yourself. Um, especially when, when you have a lot, especially when, I don't know when you've played a lot of things and when you think that way, I mean, even now, I mean, you can't really take the critic out of me. It's just something that's always going to be there now, I think. Um, but that actually translates into being really, really harsh and picky on your own work and on the work of your peers and on the work of the people that are making the game with you. And that that's the kind of uh, skill that, that really does translate, you know, is that, that kind of critical thinking and that kind of understanding of and being able to put into words and into design things that... You know, for an average player, they might just think, this is pretty, or this is fun. Um, but a, a good games journalist should be able to eventually understand um, how to pick that apart to say, this is why it's fun, or this is why it's pretty, or this is why it sounds cool, or this is why I think the pacing is good. You know, all those you know things that are very ephemeral, um, a games journalist should be able to turn them into something less ephemeral um both in their minds and for the audience they write for and that's the kind of skill that translates over not necessarily the i write good skill but uh the the sort of the broader skill so critical thinking
0: so i i got one more question and then i'll pass the i'll pass the mic to somebody else who wants to ask i just i i i want to get i want to ask this before i forget it um so having been a games critic um do you ever go back and play like for example um, like you know original sin 2? I'm, I'm assuming you've, you've you've played through the game clearly you were you were involved in its creation do you ever like do you, do you ever listen to the audio in the game and, and think to yourself, okay well I would have done that like you know looking back I would have changed this or, or constantly or looking, really okay I, yeah I, yeah I was gonna ask how critical are you of your own work going back and listening to the stuff?
4: you can't play it and not think that everything sucks. it's basically how that ends up going at least for me i mean yes i can have a good time um, playing it but most of the time i'm playing thinking oh did i write that line i hope i didn't write that line uh is this really as good as it could be no oh god this really should have been fixed oh no like like and, and and i'm talking about you know I, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, we we got a bunch of tens and 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 stuff like that. What so, you know, we're we're we we ended up being pretty critically acclaimed. But it's impossible for me to step back and wonder if if let's say I was still at Gamespot and I reviewed Divinity Original Sin two, what would I have given it?
0: Oh, that's no an idea. Thought. That's an
4: interesting thought. I've I've thought about this a bunch, and people ask me a bunch. And it's like I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean i'm very I'm very good at the metacritic guessing game, though. Um, one of one of the little jobs I had after I left GameSpot was doing mock reviews for companies that would contact me and 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 mock reviews are always fun. Um, and that was always fun because I'm pretty good at the metacritic guessing game. They'll always ask what you think it's going to get on Metacritic. And I'm really good at that. So I'm you know, before original sin two came out, i I, I was like, yeah. We're, we're we're probably going to land in the 9.3 9.4 range on metacritic um but as for what i myself would have given it i never know it's because it's just impossible and
0: of course it's probably yeah. really skewed right because like, i think we're all far more critical of ourselves than than we are of of anything else well at least at least we should be um, i know I'm
1: well sure. and, and that- that's funny you should say that about about your experience playing the game. I remember, oh, I, I feel guilty now that I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but one of the threads earlier in the year was a woman who did some work uh, on the side quest writing uh, in Assassin's Creed Origins of all games, and like she was saying as she played through the game and, and experienced the side quest she wrote, she could actively remember writing those individual sequences and thinking, like, my confidence was so much different at this later side quest. I mean, I don't know if it's actually later, but this the side quest she played um, later on in her experience and early on because, like, she remembered um just slowly getting getting better grips with how you should write a side quest and like how you could do storytelling yeah i mean it just it just sounds like a, a common thing and like i'm sure i mean i'm sure it's the same thing where like if you read a review you did a decade ago you'd be like uh um that's all, the, all the time
4: i mean you can if yeah. you read all my reviews from the beginning to the end you you can always you can always see the growth and and how not just in how much better my writing got, but more in terms of how I thought about games differently right. from from when I started to 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 when I left. Um, games are a little bit different in the sense that they're not necessarily written linearly. They're you know, you've got multiple writers in there. Everything's sort of mixed throughout. So it's not a matter of like, okay, if you're playing Original Sin two and you start and you you start in the tutorial and then you're in Fort Joy and and you know, stuff that you play in Fort Joy might have been written, you know, four months before release. Some of it, and and other things that you experience much later in the game might have been written a year before that kind of thing. Sure. So, yeah. so it's it's harder to trace. That yeah, number. right, right. It's not
1: linear. Right.
4: But uh, typically, I try to I try to twist that for myself and think about these are the situations I did that I that I ended up being the most proud of. And so those are the, you know, those are the things that I end up thinking about the most and trying to trying to think about so that I don't so that I don't uh, sweat myself to sleep every night. Right. About the ones that sucked. So, right.
0: I, I I don't want us to go too long in the tooth because I know it is very late uh, where, um, where where Kevin is. I do want to give uh, Matt Matt and, and Brandon um, the opportunity to ask a question if uh, if, if they have one floating around. Uh, either you guys have a question you want to ask Kevin real quick?
2: I don't. I mean, we've been we've been covering pretty exhaustively for half an hour on this. Brandon's show. like, right.
0: Brandon's like, man, I just want to play Dead Cells. Like, I I, do. I <laughs> do. Brandon's like, can I just play Dead Cells? That's good. Matt, what about you, man? You got a question for Kevin?
3: Well, I'm just a huge fan of the game and the writing and everything about it. I'm looking forward to the big patch coming up to really dive in again. I got about 10 hours in, uh, then fell off, and then I went to E3 and talked to the guy there, and he's like, "Oh no, the whole thing's coming." So now I've, I've been waiting. I'm really looking forward to getting in there with all the updates. So thank you for your work. It's uh, The creativity um, and the scope is really awesome. And, uh, you know, it's because of what people like you do that we get to enjoy um, great art and have a great time. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, and on that note a bit of it kind of coming out soon,
1: so you guys are on the 30th Like That's- that date, right? Okay, yeah. so the thirty first, uh, it's coming to to Xbox One, uh, PS4, and uh, as you said, it's it's the definitive edition is coming to to previous owners on PC, right? Yeah. Okay. You got it exactly awesome. right. I
4: actually you can okay. also play cool. beta right now. I th- I th- at least on PS4,
2: I think you can.
1: Pl- I think you can play beta I, on uh, both consoles. Yeah,
0: actually, right yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right.
1: Game and I think game preview has been out since like May on Xbox. Yeah. I so you
2: can you can actually
4: please. go and, okay. and play right now so uh do
0: do that if, so, if yeah, i will, do, I will
1: do, that. do that do that yeah okay well again um um kevin and matt thank you guys so much for for um coming in and, and hanging out and hey no tech difficulty so really a big congratulations Seriously, to all yeah, of us
0: yeah yeah like we um, all deserve kudos man that we made really it a whole episode some kind of uh, accomplishment the stream didn't die my mic didn't go out like i didn't have to drop and come back like it's it, everything worked out pretty well this is this is good um this fucking never happens to us, so this is, this is wonderful. Yeah. Um, but uh, just a, a couple quick admin notes. Um, uh, we've got uh, PAX West coming up. I, I may or may not be going to that. Um, uh, I'm not sure yet, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I may be on a panel that has not been approved yet. We're still waiting on Word for that. Uh, I would like to go because I've never been to PAX West, um, so hopefully that happens um and we got some more fun guests coming up again we've we're going to have a new member on the podcast here in the next month or two um we're going to screen some people and and have somebody else on just because so many of the guys have have been having troubles making it uh, consistently every thursday and that's and that's nobody's fault but but you know uh it can't always just be me zach and brandon so uh hopefully we'll we'll have another voice on here soon uh but uh Um, if nobody has anything else, one more, thank you to, uh, Kevin Van Ord, uh, for, for being on, uh, you know, and it's really late there and we thank really you. do appreciate Kevin, uh, you taking the Yeah, It's really
1: early comments. at this point.
0: It's really yeah. early.
1: Yeah. yeah it's honestly, fun. honestly, just don't even sleep now. Just ride it through, man.
0: Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, I'm 46 yeah. years old. Yeah. That at that, that age,
2: anymore.
1: I don't know <laughs> exactly college anymore. <laughs> All
0: right. Guys, oh. So, uh, so, and, if, and of course,
1: Hey, and, and Matt, thank you. Yes, John. Well, before hey, you
0: forget. know what? But, but I, hey, hold on! I wasn't hey, gonna forget dick. Matt. <laughs> Let's see how it is. I wasn't gonna forget Matt. Let's see Matt. how it is now. <laughs> Matt, Matt is on here every month. Matt is might as well be like a, a regular member of the podcast at this point.
3: And we have a we have another release in two weeks, so we'll be doing it again soon. I and guess we're gonna do That's this real, again in two right. weeks anyway, so it'll
0: That's be right. fine. Matt, Matt's fine, and, and okay. Uh, But, uh, anyway, uh, as always, guys, it's not always poetry, and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. So, as always, take care of each other, enjoy your games, and we will see you next week. Good night, everybody.